Greetings, it's Terry at Cottage in the Court. I know, it's August. Let me tell you, becoming an author is very interesting. I'll share more about that after my journey has finished phase one. Because I really think that once you become an author, it leads to other things. I want to say thank you to Kathy Gents for bearing with me. Uh, she is a publisher, Washington Gardener Magazine. You've heard her on my podcast before. Kathy has taken the reins for PR of Phase 1 because I've been busy writing my second book. Yes, and it's all about gardening, gardeners, and other things. But I digress. I hope your summer has been fruitful. I've gotten tomatoes off of a dwarf tomato plant, as well as peppers that I've been trying out as trial plants. My blue petunias that were trial plants were also beautiful until about two weeks ago. And then I'm going to say it because I haven't heard a lot of people say it. The drought is here. August in Washington, D.C. is humid and it is hot. And unless you're watering a lot, things, well, let's just say some things just don't fare well. However, my community garden plot is doing just fine. I'll share pictures soon. But in the meantime, you know, I got a phone call this week from a vendor that I'm used to dealing with. He deals in Haitian art that I use in my garden. It brings me joy. This phone call came out of the blue. And it was really at that point that I put my pen down and I thought, I really miss my friends. I miss my garden friends. I really miss my garden community. And I remembered a podcast I recorded with Mary Shear. Mary gardens in zone four, but we had the most wonderful chat. And as an author, she understood my yearning to reconnect with my community. You see, sometimes writing a book can be a very solitary project and you just need time. However, my friends have always called to check on me and I consider Mary Shear a friend. Here's our conversation about all things gardening between Zone 4 and my Zone 7 garden. Mary, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Terry? Absolutely wonderful. Now, Mary, you're in Minnesota. What zone is that? I live in zone four, which is most of the southern, about two-thirds of Minnesota is zone four, which means 
uh, winter temperature can get down to about minus 30. Um, zone three is the top third of Minnesota is zone three and they can go down to minus 40. <laughs> That's cold, Mary. That's really it is. cold. It can be, can be. So when does spring happen for you? Well, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I used to say spring is about two weeks in Minnesota because we can have winter, you know, I mean, we had a blizzard about two years ago on April 16th, um, but then we'll have, you know, 90 degree temperatures in early May sometimes. Our springs are really wild. They can be very variable. Mm -hmm. So it can be quite cold or it can be warm or it could be warm and then cold. So, I mean, the spring season is a little bit tricky, um, but, you know, usually it's warming up sometime in mid to late April. And they say now that our last frost date in the Twin Cities, which is where I live in, Minneapolis, St. Paul, so we've got a little urban heat island effect here, mm -hmm. is April 30th. But parts of the state, I mean, the last frost or the, yeah, the last frost date is like, uh, May 10th, May 15th. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people don't put their tomatoes out until June 1st. Exactly. <laughs> just to be extra careful. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I guess you all are experiencing the climate shuffle up there too, huh? Oh boy, yes. We do get it. Yeah. How has couple... it affected your garden? Um, you know, I mean, we do, we are seeing a few more insects because even though here's the, the the, the interesting thing about how climate change has affected Minnesota is in two, two different ways. The first thing is that our lows are not as low as they used to be. So yes, it can get really cold, but they don't reliably get as cold as they used to be. And that's what the kind of climate data is showing. Mm -hmm. And the further north in Minnesota, the more you're seeing that effect. Mm -hmm. And so when it's not, you know, minus 30, <laughs> there's certain bugs that do a little better if it's a little warmer. And so we have a few more insects pests than we've had in the past. Um, so the cold, the lows are not, the highs are not much higher than they used to be. They're a little higher. And this year, you know, I mean, this year we've had a lot of 90s. It's been, it was 11 days in June. It was over 90 degrees. Mm -hmm in most of the state, which is unusual. I mean, normally we only have about 11 or 12 days of, of 90 plus in a year, but we have some years where we have a lot more. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember the year my oldest child was born was 1988. We had 44 days over 90. Oh my I remember, goodness. I remember those days really well. I can imagine. <laughs> so it, it gets, you know, it's variable. So, but the highs generally aren't getting a lot higher, but the lows aren't as low as they used to be. And so that has an impact. Yeah. And the second way we're seeing it happening around here is that we're having more of what they call mega rain events. And I'm trying to think if I can remember exactly how, what the definition of it is, mm -hmm. but basically it's, I think it's about six inches of rain falling in the course of the event over a thousand square miles or something but it but basically it's these downpour type events mm -hmm. where you get just a buckets and buckets and buckets of rain 
And we've had of the number, I think we've had about 16 or 20 of these in the, since Minnesota kept records. Mm -hmm. And half of them have been since the year 2000. So we are seeing more of these kind of mega rain events. Now, quite mm. frankly, at this moment, we would love a mega rain event. <laughs> I mean, most of the state is in a moderate to severe drought. Mm -hmm. So we've had a kind of a funky, this has been a funky year for weather because we've had, you know, very little rain. And I know people in places like um, Oklahoma, which mm -hmm. is normally you know, pretty dry about now, they're having rain right and left. Hmm. So how does it affect your garden? Well, you know, there's a, <laughs> you kind of go with the flow. They are recommending some different trees for people to plant. So we're trying out a few more sort of zone five plants and some zone five trees here just to try them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's no guarantee when you get out of your zone. I've, I'm sure if you pushed, what do you zone six or seven? Or seven, yeah. Yeah, so if you pushed with a zone eight or nine plant, there's no guarantee that's going to make it through the winter. But, true. but with the trees, they are recommending very resilient trees that do really well with, you know, droughts or a lot of rain and, and can kind of handle the variable um, temperatures. So this, the weather, it sounds like, is really affecting the agriculture industry there. If they're recommending different trees and... Well, this, the urban trees are, because one thing we do have, um, Minnesota has a huge number of ash trees. Mm -hmm. And the emerald ash borer, which I don't know if you've had that in Oh, BC. yeah, yeah. Okay, well, he's marching westward slowly. And he's there in Minnesota now. And in fact, um, I live in the city of St. Paul and the one block uh, north of us, they took down probably 20 <gasps> ash trees. Wow. Because we have a lot of ash and it's just, you know, you walk down that block and it was so pretty and now it's just sad. <laughs> so, and they took about 30, block, 30 trees off of our block a couple of years ago, not just in one block, it was like over two, two blocks, mm -hmm. you know, in our, we live on a parkway actually. So we have a lot of trees in our street and they took like 30 out of here, but they were ashes and a lot of them were sick. Or they had the emerald ash borer. Um, are, they, are they recommending a replacement tree? Well, the city, these are boulevard trees that the city is taking out and they okay. are putting in new trees but people are not watering these trees. And let me just put out the word. <laughs> if you have a new tree, please water it. <laughs> please yeah. water it, you know, even <laughs> if it's the city's tree, they, they really need it the first couple of years. Yeah, especially some, these days. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And some of the new trees that they put in are not, you know, I can tell they're just, you can tell which homeowners have been watering their trees and which have not. And the city, you know, they don't do it, but, mm -hmm. but they put it in, they put it in They, you know, they bought it, they put it in. And I love that they put in a nice variety of trees. They put in some oaks, they put in some ginkgos, they put in some crab apples, even um, they put in just a wide variety of they put in um, hackberries, I think is another one. Mm. So they put in a, a wide variety of trees. So we don't get in the situation where we have you know, a boulevard full of one kind of tree. Mm -hmm. 
which that's happened here twice. We had the elms and now the ashes. <laughs> the diversity in yes. the landscape helps keep that's, those little buggers away, doesn't it? Well, yeah, that's just, I mean, it's the key to having a resilient landscape mm -hmm. is to have a, a lot of different kinds of plants, mm -hmm. you know, um, that are tough for your climate. Yeah. What's yeah. the toughest plant in your garden right now? Well, I have some birch trees that I love and they're pretty tough. Yeah. They're a tall, it's a tall, narrow birch called Parkland Pillar Birch. Mm -hmm. um, and they do get the Japanese beetles will come on them, but they don't care. And I planted them as a screen between our house and the neighbors. Uh -huh. And actually, I think the neighbors like it as much as I do. Because <laughs> they now have, they look out of their upstairs window and there's this beautiful tree during the green season. Oh, wow. So yeah, I really like the birches. Um, they're, they're, a, they're a nice tree for this climate. Yeah. Um, so in your garden, have you, are you growing anything special this year? Um, well, this year I'm growing for the first time in a long time, for, well, for the first time ever, a bunch of different kinds of peppers. Mm -hmm. And some of them were given to me as trial peppers. Um, and then they were trial plants from a plant company. Mm -hmm. But then I planted um, two that I got from a company called um, Heirloom Seed House. Mm -hmm. that I've never heard. One of them is called Violet Sparkle Pepper, and it's one of like those little baby peppers you get in the bags, uh -huh. but it's got a little heat. And then I'm growing a Calabrian chili pepper, which is really hard. Yes, and I owe it all to Bobby Flay. <laughs> because, because I watch cooking. I enjoy cooking. I've always enjoyed cooking. Uh -huh. And I watch some cooking shows. And some, Bobby Flay is this famous chef. Uh -huh. I have noticed in one of his shows, which is a competition show, he always is putting Calabrian chilies and then he wins the competition. So I thought, hmm, those must be really good. So I had to look around to find the seeds. They're not terribly available, but the plants are gorgeous. They're just a really nice full pepper plant and uh -huh. the peppers grow up on the plant you know uh, you know normally a pepper kind of hangs down yeah these shoot up and huh. mine are still green but they're supposed to you know it's middle july in minnesota so yeah they're still green uh -huh. but hopefully by september they'll be nice and red and i can dry them or he usually uses them in a paste so i'll maybe make some kind of paste with them are they spicy oh yeah yeah i mean they're not ultra spicy but they're uh -huh. they're supposed to be you know, a nice set level of spice. Okay. I have I'll to follow you. up with you about that one. Yeah. I love hot peppers. That That's what's thriving in my garden right now. <laughs> yeah. And with the heat that we've had, they're doing, I mean, normally peppers are kind of iffy here because mm -hmm. you can get a lot of 60 degree days in June and I mean, it can be kind of iffy, um, but they're loving the drought and the, and the heat. <laughs> they love it. So um, the other thing I'm growing... Um, and I grew it once before, but it was a long time ago, are um, ground cherries. Uh-huh, yeah. Do you, do, you, do you grow those? Oh, yeah. 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 What are you going to make with it? Salsa? Uh, or, or sort of a jam. I've mm -hmm. made a jam with them before. Uh -huh. uh, but so far, I'm not having really prolific harvest yet, but I am harvesting some. Uh -huh. They just fall off the plant and you, most of them just get eaten. 
Right. Because <laughs> they're, they're good. They're good they're, without the plant. They're yeah. really interesting because they taste like sort of a pineapple meets a tomato. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That's why I love them. I I can eat them straight off because of I don't use any chemicals. I eat them straight off the plant. They drop. I'm there to catch it because they're just so good. It's it's a, a refreshing taste. It you is. Know? Yeah. Hmm. You have one plant or multiple? Uh, no, I've got uh, four. Four. Okay. Okay. So, so I, you're going to be putting them up. I hope to. I hope to. Yeah. Hmm. For, the, for people that don't know, putting them up means, well, explain what it means, Mary. <laughs> well, putting them up means you're either going to can them or freeze them, or I suppose you could dry them, but you're going to come up with some way to preserve the food so you can eat it during the winter. Um, and I do a little bit of, as Terry knows, I do a little bit of, of preserving um, of pickles and jams and uh, syrups and all sorts of different stuff. So Mary, speaking of that, you, you write about what you do, right? Right. Yes. But tell us about your book that you wrote. Yeah. So I have a um, I have, a, I, well, I've, I've, for about uh, 16 years, I've been editor of a magazine called, the, called Northern Gardener. And it's a publication of the Minnesota State Horticultural Society. And the society has been around for 155 years. And next year, 2022, is the 150th year that they've published a magazine or something like a magazine. So it's a big year for us. Um, so I edit Northern Gardener magazine. I have a blog called My Northern Garden. And then in 2017, I published a book called The Northern Gardener from Apples to Zidias. And it's an A to Z kind of a how to grow things in the north with a little bit of horticultural history thrown in. Um, because uh, partly because of my connection with the Hort Society you know, Minnesota's climate when a lot of people came here from the East Coast or from even from places like Sweden and Germany, the climate was kind of a shock. <laughs> and they found things like, well, we can't grow apples here. Even, you know, and so they've spent, you know, decades of time doing uh, uh, selecting for the best apples and breeding apples. And now Minnesota is actually a, a pretty known place for um, breeding apples. The University of Minnesota did the Honeycrisp apple. Oh, my favorite. That's their apple. Came out of the U of M. Oh, wow. If, if you ever get a chance, get the Zestar apple. That's a newer one that they have that I just, I love. I mean, I like a Honeycrisp, but the Zestar apple is really nice. And if you're going to make apple pie, try to find a Harrelson apple which is a really old Minnesota apple. Mm -hmm. um, it's been around since the 1920s, I think. And I used to have an apple a Harrelson tree in my, um, in my yard and gosh, it's a, it's a delicious pie apple. So is it sweet or? No, it's more tart. I mean, I'll eat that. I would eat it raw, but a lot of people um, will, eat, will use the Harrelson for applesauce or apple pie or you know, some kind of baked goods. Mm -hmm. And the Zestar? Zestar is a really crisp, sweet, tart apple. It's a great eating apple. I, okay. I wouldn't waste that on a pie. <laughs> I would okay. eat that raw because it's so good. 
<laughs> it's like a honey crisp. Some of my, I get home, uh, I do a lot of shopping for my office and I bring the honey crisp apples in and some people are like, oh, this is like eating dessert, which it is. Yeah. But honey crisp and some chunky peanut butter, I am one happy girl. Yeah, mm. I, I like that too. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, and you wouldn't believe the trouble they went to to be able to grow and breed apples in Minnesota. I mean, they did years and years of um, like sending people uh, whips for trees, little, little trees. They'd send mm -hmm. them out to people all over the, you know, all over the state in these terrible climates and then ask them which ones survived. And that's really what the Horticulture Society did for probably 40 or 50 years. A lot of what it did was testing plants and finding out what survived hmm. in this climate of different things. A lot of it was fruit, you know, apples. Uh, we do have a wild plum in Minnesota that's delicious, but they did a little different plums, cherries, you know, all kinds of fruit that they would try to grow here. Huh. Um, as well as... Um, uh, ornamental plants. Okay. Now, which ornamental plant really does well in Minnesota that they're known oh, for? Oh, peonies. Peonies are, for a, more than 100 years, there's been peony breeding in Minnesota. Lots of it. Because peonies like it cold. They yeah. like to have a nice cold winter. They come from, I think it's the northern part of Japan or yeah, China. China. That's where they're based or they're native. But um, peonies just do really, really well in this climate. In fact, if you go out to like an old farmstead, mm -hmm. you'll still find a peony blooming there. I mean, they'll last 100 years. Yeah. In fact, I tell people, you know, plant a peony, it's going to outlive you. Yeah. <laughs> and it will. It, it will. will. It will yeah. outlive you. I mean, they last forever. And I mean, yeah, they're kind of, you know, you get a bad storm and then the peony bloom goes away. So they're, they're a fleeting moment. Right. But when peonies bloom, it's just, you know, terrific. Yeah. My, my, and we had what I consider a mild winter last year, but my peonies were just beautiful this year. I mean, I don't, I think all of them bloomed, which is last, well, 2019, they were kind of like, eh, last year. I had three that didn't bloom. Everything bloomed this year. Wow. And the winter was not all that at all. Huh. Yeah. 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 Now, what's, what's your favorite uh, peony breeder up there? Well, right now we have, um, there's a breeder called, well, there's a couple of different ones. I don't even know if I should mention the name. There's a breeder called Countryside Gardens that does breeding. Swenson Gardens is another one that do breeding. I actually grow a lot of the, a couple of the heritage peonies that were from the brand peony company back in, you know, the 1910s, 1920s, hundred oh, wow. plus years ago. Um, they did a couple of different peonies. There's one I love called Myrtle Gentry. Mm -hmm. And Myrtle was the bookkeeper at brand peonies for years. And then there were some problems in the company or something. And Myrtle actually ran the company for a while. So, and her peony smells delicious. It's just the oh. nice, sweet, I love it when that peony, it's a little kind of pinky white peony, fluffy, oh. and it's really pretty. So that's probably my favorite peony. And that's yeah. an old heritage variety. I think you could still get it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, fact, I, there's another B&E breeder called Hid, Hidden Springs Peonies down in southern Minnesota. Uh, so if do they carry peonies, heirlooms too? They'll, yeah, they carry the heirlooms. A lot of them will have both new ones and the, the heirloom mm -hmm. peonies. Hmm. So a lot, you keep mentioning history. You love history and gardening? I do. I do like history a lot. I mean, I always have. So it's just, and I just think, you know, gardening sort of, you, you feel in touch with the, the, the earth, but also with the past. Mm -hmm. It's such a contemplative activity. And you know, you know, your grandma was gardening. My grandma grew peonies and mm -hmm. I, you know, and uh, sometimes I plant, you know, I don't know about you, but I will occasionally plant a little bit of a memory plant. Mm -hmm. um, we had a dog named Lily and I used to plant the, there was a, and we went to Toronto for a while. We lived in Toronto briefly. So we bought the Toronto lilies in honor of Lily. And I grow peonies in honor of my, you know, my grandma that grew peonies. And I, I love that aspect of gardening yeah. that it sort of connects us to the past. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just a great activity. Yeah, I, I love history and, and gardening as well. To me, a perfect weekend involves some type of historical home and garden. Oh, yeah. And then shopping. Oh, all of those. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, and, and then we start back to work on Monday morning. But that to me is the perfect weekend because history, you're right. It, 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 there's a connection there. Um, and when you find these places, like last year, I went to the Hampton Historical Site. And first, I never knew about it. Second of all, the garden, there's a historic tree there. It's huge. And then they had a beautiful, beautiful parterre garden. I never knew it was a garden like that in Maryland. So I can't wait to go back up there. But as I'm, I keep reading about it now, because it's like a door has been opened, not just to the Hampton historical site, to, but also to the plants that are there. You know, and how did they come up with the parterre in the middle of Maryland? You know, it yeah, who who knew that? Who was connected to? Isn't that French? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why it's just like, oh, I got to do some deep digging on this one. I mean, yeah. but it's a beautiful place. But um, I'm curious, so I I want to explore the rest of the United States and find more historical homes and gardens, mm -hmm. uh, and just really learn about the history. So, yeah. you you um you have a blog. What is your blog about? Well, my blog is called My Northern Garden, and I started it in 2007. Um, I was editing the magazine at that time, but I wanted a way to write about what I was doing in my own garden. Mm -hmm. And that was seemed like a good format. At that time, a lot of people were starting blogs and they were very, you know, they were fun to read, to read about other people's gardening adventures. So that's kind of what, that's a little more personal. And then my podcast, which is called Grow It Minnesota, and I owe it to you that I have it as you know. <laughs> so, because you encouraged me so much to get into podcasting. Um, that is an interview show. Um, and I interview people, which I love talking to other gardeners. And I talk to, you know, people that are experts or have books out or different things. So we can, and they, you know, have some connection to gardening in the North. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. just, just a lot of fun to talk to other people. Yeah. And that, I think that's why I keep doing this. You meet people 
that you might not have an opportunity to actually meet in real life. But at the same time, after chatting with them and getting to know them, you do want to go and meet them in real life. So it's a win-win to me, you know, and then I also love talking to my friends and, um, you know, we're garden blogger flingers. 2018. 18, 18. 2018 fling yeah. down in Texas. We oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So that was, uh, you know, I miss my fling buddies. Oh, I do. Boy. I, I do. We all do. We all, because those <laughs> flings are fun. <laughs> so, and it's so great to be surrounded. And that's why, you know, I, I sort of encourage people to, to maybe join garden clubs or get involved in garden groups because mm -hmm. it is so much fun to get together with other people who enjoy growing things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about your experience, but mine is that these are really nice people. Yeah. People you like to spend time with for the most part. Yes. So it's, uh, yeah. Gardeners are the seeds that you want to sow in your garden. That is, that is true. That, <laughs> that is just true. came to me, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you made time to chat with me. And um, it's just good hearing from my garden friends. I, I miss everybody so much. Oh, and thank you for having me on. It's just, a, it's great to talk with you. Okay. And if we ever get down to minus anything, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cover up your plants. <laughs> yeah, really, really. Well, I've got some new people to check out peony breeding and all the trials and tribulations involved therein. I'm going to try that pepper Mary mentioned. And... I'm going to pay more attention to how Bobby Flay actually wins those cooking competitions. Thank you so much, Mary, for spending a little time with me. It meant a lot. It was one of those moments. As an author, you know what I'm talking about. Marcel Proust wrote a very interesting quote that I'd like to share. Let us be grateful to people who make us happy. They are charming gardeners who make our souls blossom. I love those words. They mean a lot. Thanks for making me blossom, Mary, and all of my other garden friends that have checked in on me along the way. I'd like to ask you to continue following me. Kathy Jensen and I wrote a book uh, about urban gardening and it's phenomenal. And every time I see something, I want to call Kathy and go, hey, Kath, we should have put this in the book. But, but we didn't. We only had 101 ideas. So there's only room for so much. Anyway, check out our book. Pre-sales are available now on Amazon. Um, I'll, the link will be in the notes for this podcast. And in the meantime, yes, I'm finding time to blog again. So check out my blog. I went to two very, actually three very interesting places this weekend because I just had to check out for a minute. And if you're looking for some snacks or some nosh while you're out there visiting gardens throughout D.C., You've got to check out Neato DC. 
I'll share more about that later. It's in Mount Pleasant. And every time I go to that little block and pick up some cheese or some wine, some cookies or some chocolate covered figs, I dream about Paris. Oh, do I dream about Paris. Hey, happy gardening. My blog, cottageinthecourt.com, that's my website. My blog is housed there. Instagram and Twitter, Cottage in Court. Facebook, Cottage in the Court. And I'll be speaking again this fall. Dates to be announced soon. And I hope to see your face in the place. Happy gardening.